This morning we're, we're kicking off a new series uh, called The Great Commission. Um, and we're doing this intentionally on, on the back of our series on hospitality. Um, but throughout Scripture, if you're familiar with it, you'll recognize that from Genesis to Revelation, God is a God that's been on mission, has been on and is still on mission. A mission to this world to reveal the truth of his love for the world that he created. God's on a mission to redeem and restore and put back together the world that, again, he created in love and he created good, but that's been broken and fractured by sin. You know, we as a church, we, we believe that we're called to, to live on mission, don't we? Right? We, we talk often about being disciples that, that make disciples. Um, and I love that. I love that. Even our name, Missio. Do you guys know what Missio means? Mission. Mission of God. It's short for Missio Dei, the mission of God, or God who's on mission. And I just, I love the, the heart, the ethos of our, our foundation, of our grounding of who we are. And yet there's something in the last year, year and a half, I would say, that God's been stirring in my heart where as we settle into here and we talk about making this a hope zone and a place where people come to hear and know and experience the love of Jesus. There's been something for me where God's been like drawing my heart and my eyes upwards to go, how are you as a church engaging though in, in the greater commission and in making disciples in other places? And one of the things that's been really beautiful about that is that over a number of months as well, um, not quite the full year that I've been stirring with it, but over the last six months probably, there's been different people within our community who also have come and just said, Dom, like, we love what God's doing here. We're grateful for the space. We're grateful for all, for all this. Like, where, when and where are we going again, you know? Um, in 2019 was the last time we sent a team, and then pandemic came, right? And then, so it's for good reason um, why, why some of the things happen that have played out. But God's just been stirring to my heart, and as I shared it with our board, there, it resonates with them. As I've shared it with our staff team, it resonates with them. And again, a number of people have just begun over the last, again, about six months to just begin to ask the question, of how are we as a community engaging in the call to fulfill the, the Great Commission, to make the love of Jesus known, not just here in Portland in ways that we are, and, and not only through some of the partnerships that we currently have, but just throughout the ends of the earth. And so for the, about the next month, or maybe two, we're going to take time and we're going to enter into this series that I'm simply just calling the, the Great Commission. And I, I want to acknowledge that even as I say that, the word or that phrase, the Great Commission, there's potential that some of you might actually not know what I'm talking about. And that, that's okay. Um, I, I saw this stat from Barna. If you guys have been around a while, you know I love Barna and their statistics. I'm not necessarily a stat guy, but I think it's helpful when I get to see these understandings of what's going on kind of culturally. I saw a stat recently that said from Barna that 51% of churchgoers don't know what the Great Commission is. They surveyed 1,000 Christians in, the, in America and 51% said, I have no idea <laughs> what that phrase is or what that means when you talk about that. And I think that's concerning, but it's also okay if you're in that boat. So part of my heart in this, this series and in this process is to, to help us understand what is the Great Commission. In fact, this, this series kind of has three, three points that I just want to give to you before we jump into our, our passage for today and, and really the heart of today. But the heart of this series is I want to clarify for us uh, the theological basis for, for mission. I think that's really important as we begin to enter into kind of a season and a time of uh, wanting to discern together where and how is God calling us to engage in proclaiming the good news beyond just 
uh, our, our, our grounds here. Uh, so I want to clarify the theological basis of mission. Uh, secondly, I want us to, we're gonna, what we're going to do in this series, we're going to consider some new global realities um, uh, that, that should inform the, church, the, the church's mission, the way that we engage in mission. We'll talk about that more le- later and more specifically next week. And then third, um, really the heart of this is to explore the question of, of how the church, and really Missio in particular, can engage with God's heart and mission throughout the world. Again, there's ways that we're doing it faithfully now here uh, in, in Portland. There's ways that we're doing it in some of the partnerships that we have. But again, the, kind of the resonating thing in my heart and again in, in a number of people in our, in our leadership is, is going, how, how do we engage more faithfully and fully uh, in, in the Great Commission? And so the heart is to do that today. So I want to open up scripture this morning and again lay kind of a, a biblical theological foundation or basis for mission uh, and just share some things out of scripture and from my heart as I've been wrestling and, and processing uh, through this this topic and this, this idea. And I want to read for us out of the, the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, if you are familiar with the phrase, the Great Commission, you know that you could open up pretty much to any of the four Gospels. And either in the very last chapter or towards the end of each uh, of the Gospels, there is this um, unique expression of this call and command that God has given us to make disciples. Um, I want to focus on, on Matthew's account of that. But I want to read the whole chapter for us. So if you have a Bible, or if it should be on the screen in front of you. But Matthew chapter 28, I want to read for us uh, verses 1 through 20. And this is what God's Word would have for us to look at this morning. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers go to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And while they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief's priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This, in a nutshell, this last section here, is what you would boil down most often and say is is the Great Commission. It's that the risen Jesus appears to his disciples in Galilee on the mountain, one of the highest places in that area. And he says to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, we know from Scripture that, that God is a God who's on mission. He always has been and He always will be. And we believe that in the New Testament, God sent His Son to take on the form of humanity, to take on the name Jesus, and to live out and fulfill the mission of God that, that was instituted and started by God way back in, in Genesis 2, Genesis 3, after the fall. That God was in pursuit of humanity. God was in pursuit of the world that He created, the people that He created, to remind them and to declare to them that He loved them. That just because sin came into the world, it didn't mean that He didn't love them. That just because sin came into the world, it didn't mean that He was no longer present or wanted to be involved. That just because sin came into the world, it, that it didn't mean that He didn't care but quite to the contrary, that, that God loved and God cared and God was seeking. And we come to the New Testament and we see that God is on mission through the person and work of His Son, Jesus Christ. And here we see Jesus at the end of His ministry gather His disciples together and take them to this mountain in Galilee, one in which He had met with them oftentimes, to give to them what's considered, again, this, this great commission. This call that they would now be part of and continue on the work that he had started of incarnating the love of God, putting flesh and bone onto the love of God and taking it out to the world so that the world would truly know who Christ was and who they were. There's a lot that can be said from this passage. There's a lot we'll talk about in the next few weeks. Today, what I want to give us a, an understanding of is I think that if we were to boil down the Great Commission from this statement of go therefore and make disciples to all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you and to know that I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to boil it down for us this morning. To believe, I, I think I, I believe that from this text that to actually go and to make disciples is to do really one thing. And it's to go into the world and to share the true story about who Jesus is and about who humanity is. I think we could say that to, to declare and to go and make disciples is to help people understand the truth of who Jesus is, and that's that he's a, a resurrected Savior. And the reason why I'm drawing in on that is because right before the section that we, we title as the Great Commission, in verses 11 through 15, we read this. I want to read this again for you. It says, while they were going, meaning while the disciples were going, while the women were going to meet the disciples, it says, Behold, some of the guard went into the city, and they told the priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. What did they mean by that? See, back in the day, if the Romans charged you to guard a tomb or to guard someone and that person got away on your watch, guess what happened to you? Exactly. So they said, look, <laughs> don't worry if this news gets to the governor that, these, that, that Jesus got away on your watch. Here, we're going to give you this handsome sum of money and now here's what we want you to do. We want you to go tell this story in the world. Go and tell people that his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And then verse 15 says this. It says, So they took the money and they did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. See, now you and I know that this story has also been spread among the world to this day. 
the world will acknowledge, yes, Jesus was a good man historically, and he came and he lived and he did good things. They might even say that he healed. But to say that he is the resurrected Lord, to say that he actually lived and he actually died upon that cross for the forgiveness of sins, to say that he resurrected and he is alive today, that's the story that the kingdom of the world was trying to squelch and trying to tamper down in the time of Jesus. Even from the time of his birth. That we've seen this, we saw this battle of the kingdom of, of the world versus the kingdom of heaven. At his birth, there was someone else in power that was trying to steal, kill, and destroy the life of God, the incarnation of the love of God coming into the world. At his death, there was a conflict, you see again, between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of, of, of Christ. Who is he? Who do you say that I am? What are you here for? What have you come for? All throughout his ministry, there was the back and forth. And as we get to the end of life, it's no different. And we see here very clearly that there is a story that was paid for to be sent out into the world to keep people from understanding who Christ really was. That he is the Son of God that came into the world, took on flesh and blood to embody the love of God for the world. To show the world that God still loves, that God still cares, that God still is present, that God still redeems, that God still restores, that God still heals, that God still provides, that God still is intricately and intimately involved in the world, in all of its affairs. And in the midst of it, He is seeking and pursuing out humanity to restore us in loving relationship with Himself. And I think to, for us to go out and fulfill the Great Commission on some level very plainly, it's, it's simply that. To go and make disciples is to help people understand the truth of who Jesus is. The fact that He is the resurrected Savior. We'll talk more about that as, as the series goes on. But today, if you could just engage that with me for a moment. And this is important because secondly, I think to go and make disciples is also to help people understand the truth of who they are, and that's that they're loved and they're forgiven. Again, I think of the story that we saw from this man in Japan. The thing that struck him as he read about who Jesus was. Again, him saying, I, I, I didn't know who Jesus was before, but through the Scriptures, God pursuing me through the Scriptures, I realized and I found out who Jesus really was. Not the story that I've been told. Not the perception and understanding that I had. And that changed everything, first and foremost, of knowing the truth and understanding the truth about who Jesus was. And I believe that's why Jesus' first step is say, yeah, go into the world and, and make disciples. A disciple just means a learner. Make a learner of who I am. Teach them the things that, that I have, have taught you. Reveal the truth of who I am, the way that you understand it, to those around you who have yet to understand. Because secondly, making disciples, again, is about helping people understand the truth of who they are, and that's the truth that they're, that they're loved and that they're forgiven. See, all of Jesus' ministry, if we read through the Gospels, we read this statement in John 3.16 that says this, it says, For God so loved the world, that he sent his only son into the world, that those who might believe in him would be saved. That they wouldn't perish, but they'd have life, eternal life. 
If we flipped earlier in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 4, right after Jesus goes through his temptation, and we see this battle between what story is Jesus going to live into? What, what, what the battle between the kingdom of the world and, and the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. In Matthew 4.17, it says that from that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Forgiveness is possible. Restoration between humanity and God is possible. We go on later in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 and it says this, and it says, he went throughout all of Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. That Jesus himself went about, went around to declare this, this good news, this good news that humanity, that people are loved and that forgiveness is possible. That there is a kingdom that you can enter into. There is a life and a way of living that you can enter into that is not the story of this world, but it's the story of the kingdom of God. It's a story of forgiveness, of peace, of restoration, of justice, of salvation. A story of a God who created the world in love, created it good, and still loves this world and is in pursuit of it. As we talk about the Great Commission, I want you to be thinking about that it's really about just telling the story of what is true, of who Jesus is as a resurrected Savior, and the story that is true that humanity is loved and humanity can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. And why is that important? <laughs> Again, a lot of answers, a lot of things could be said. But I want to look at a, a passage in Matthew quickly, in Matthew 24 that I think is at the heart again of the crux of some things we're going to be unfolding in, in this series and in this season of, of discerning God's call for us to engage in this. In Matthew chapter 24, in, in verse 14, uh, Jesus says this, as he's talking about the, the end of things to come. Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom, again, this good news that, that, that I am the Savior and that God loves the world, and this good news that humanity is loved and can be forgiven and restored in relationship with God, he says this gospel, this good news of this kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I think it's really interesting, you guys, right now with the heat <laughs> and the fires and the wars and all the different things going on in the, on in the world, in the last year, probably, I've been asked more times than I know in my whole life, like by neighbors, by random people, whatever, going, do you think this is the end? I've had some of you guys honestly ask, hey, hey Pastor, what do you think about, what do you think, what do you read into all this stuff? I'll be honest, I, I don't know. And I'll give you the answer that I've always given you. We are closer today than we were yesterday to, the, to Jesus coming back. Right? And we, and we get on board with that? We're closer today than we were yesterday to Jesus coming back. When it's going to happen, I don't know. But, but Jesus tells us here, and I'm, and I'm not trying to, again, turn this into an eschatological talk. or anything. This is about the, the, the proclamation of the gospel. But Jesus, during his ministry here, before he goes to the cross and before he then gives this great commission, this is part of the commission that he gave to his disciples was to say to them, look, Here's one of the things that I, that I want you to understand. In this world, you're going to see all kinds of trials and struggles and tribulations and sorrows and all these things. But I, I want you to know that in the midst of it, I have given you, again, something that you are to do in the midst of all of that. And that is to proclaim this gospel, again, that I am the Savior and God loves the world and that people are loved and can be forgiven and restored in relationship with God. And Jesus says, until this happens throughout all, all the world or to all the nations, the end is not going to come. Why is that, you guys? 
Because God loves the world. See, I think this answers a, a key question, this passage here. Uh, not only just about end times, when is it happening, but, but again, who is Jesus and who is God and does he care about this world? He cares so much about the world that he sent his son into the world so that those who would believe in him would be saved and enter into eternal life. And he cares so much about the world that he's not going to let the world end. He's not going to let it come to an end until everybody in the world, in every single nation, has a chance and an opportunity to hear the truth. That Jesus is the risen and resurrected Savior that came into the world to embody the love of God and give it to all. And all of humanity can be loved and can be saved through him. Jesus is saying here, none of this stuff, even though this is all temporal, it is not going away until every person, every tongue, tribe, and nation has a chance and an opportunity to hear the proclamation of this gospel. That you are loved and you can be forgiven through Jesus Christ. Sorry, that gets me excited. Guys, <laughs> this is good news. This is good news. And it may not be good news in the midst of the heat, in the midst of the wars, in the midst of the fires. It might not feel that way. But actually, for those who are enduring it in much worse ways than us, that's really good news. And the question that God's been stirring in my heart, and again, in resonating with some of you guys, is going, how are we engaging in that? How is God inviting us uniquely as a church? Because every church, I believe, is given this commission. Every follower of Christ, I believe, is given this commission that the 11 were given. And how, how are we engaging in that? What does that look like? See, this word nations, actually, that's used here in Matthew 24, and this word nations, when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, it's the word ethne in Greek. What does ethne sound like? Ethnicity or ethnic. Right now, if you were to go to a website called joshuaproject.org, which is one of the most respected and kind of renowned sites that talk about missions and missiology and the engagement within the world. If you go to joshuaproject.org, they'll tell you that they believe right now, and, and sociologists and anthropologists agree with this, that roughly there's 17,000 ethne in the world. 17,000 ethnic groups in the world. And right now, there's nearly seven of those 17 people groups that are considered unreached. And they define unreached as less than 2% of their population has had a chance to hear about Jesus or to follow Jesus. And some of those, it's, 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 it's zero. Zero have heard and zero follow. But an unreached people group is less than 2% of people have had a chance to hear the gospel. And so to put in perspective what Jesus said in Matthew 24 when he says the end was not coming until this, king, this gospel, this good news of the kingdom has gone out to every ethne, every 17,000 ethne, there's still 7,000 ethne who have, had, who have not yet had a chance to hear this good news about who Jesus is, the truth of who he is. Not the paid story of who he is, but the true and free story of who he is. The Son of God that came into the world, that put on flesh, that walked among us, experienced all of humanity except was without sin and that everything he did was good everything he did was motivated by love and he did heal and he did set free he did cast out demons he did restore he did raise up women he did give dignity he did set free he did all of these things as an embodiment of the love of god in the world and that same stuff that he did then is the same stuff that he wants to do now and he's handed off and passed that on to you and to i through this great commission of saying, go now into the world and proclaim this good news of the gospel. Teach them the things that I have taught you. Baptize them into the family of God. And know that I'm with you to 
to the end of the age and, and in every place that you go. There's still 7,000 people groups out there that have yet to hear this truth, again, of who Jesus is and the truth that they are loved and that they can be forgiven and restored in a relationship of wholeness with the God that created them. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, that gets me excited. And it gets me excited to think about where and how and what does that look like for us? How is God calling us to engage in that? Both here, but also in other places. I want to take you to the Gospel of Acts. Um, the Gospel of Acts. I, I call it the Gospel of Acts. The, the good news of Acts. I think it is the Gospel. I think it's good news. Where I was going with that is that in, in, I said that in, in, the, in all the Gospels, every single one of them, there is an, an account of the Great Commission, uh, both in, in Matthew and Mark, Luke and John. But in Acts, actually, you see this, this beginning, which where Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he also, he also writes, yeah, like this, this, this Great Commission, I believe, account at the very beginning. And I, I want to read that. And again, instead of just reading this one verse, which we'll kind of drill on, on I want to I read the whole section for you. So this is Acts 1, 1 through 8, because I think this is important, again, to see the context of, of, of where and how this, this commission comes from Jesus. Luke writes this. He says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had been given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs and he appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God in this reality of God's love, God's justice, God's peace, God's healing, God's wholeness for humanity. And while they were staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In verse 6, and so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the season when the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, I think this is important for us to consider as we're talking about the, the Great Commission in this series because the, the call of God to participate in the healing of the nations, of, of, of putting the world back together through the sharing of his love with all people, it's something that we are called not to do just here in Portland where we are, which would be our Jerusalem, but we are called to engage and do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. One of the things I'd encourage us to notice and to look at is that when, when Jesus was telling them, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, their Jerusalem, which they knew, it was the immediate area of people around them who looked just like them, who understand their customs, their cultures. It was basically going to, to, their, to their neighbor. And he, he kind of began to talk then in these concentric circles. And outside of Jerusalem, he said, now, now go to Judea, which, which would be the region, right? And again, in that region, maybe, maybe a lot of the people were similar, but a lot of them were, were probably different as well as he began to go further out from that, that central hub of Jerusalem. But then he called them to go beyond there and he said, and go to Samaria, right? This region, this place where if you're familiar with scriptures, you know the stories and how Jesus had to teach actually his disciples to interact with Samaritans to actually begin to see them as, as image bearers of God, to actually begin to not just say that they love God and love people, but to actually say, I'm going to show you that actually if you love God, it means to love people, and it means to love these people who you and your, your world and your story have told you are your enemies. But no, now you are to go there, and you are to embody for them in Samaria. 
And Jesus says then, to the ends of the earth, the whole world where people are definitely quite different than we are. See, I think the, the heart of this, and I love it, is that Jesus is talking about, often what we've said is that we want to be involved in our neighborhoods and our nations. We want to be involved in sharing this good news of the kingdom in our backyard and in someone else's backyard across the world. And what does that look like? How, how, how are we going to, how are we going to do that? And I love too that Jesus didn't invite us into it in an or, <laughs> but he invited us into, into a both and, right? It's not Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the ends of the earth, meaning like as a church or as my people, just, just pick one and, and hang out, do your thing there. But Jesus calls us into the world of and. It's Jerusalem and it's Judea and it's Samaria and it's the end of the earth. And it doesn't mean that all of us necessarily have to go to all of those places, but how are we as a body is the question I'm wrestling, wanting to invite us to wrestle. How is we are as a body engaging in the ant? You tracking with me? Where and who and how is God calling us to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, again, to proclaim the true story that, of who Jesus is, the risen Savior who loves the world, and the story of who humanity is, a people created by God in love, and that we are still loved and can be forgiven, can be restored in relationship with God. I love, again, that this, this call to mission, it teaches us to be people of and. And I want to address an and that, that might kind of be going in some of our, of our heads. I love in the Great Commission here, in, in verse 18, right before Jesus gives it, it says, excuse me, verse 16, it says, Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And it says, when they saw them, in verse 17, they worshipped. Read the next sentence with me, the next phrase. But what? But some doubted. I want to highlight that for a moment because if anybody is in here and you're saying as a follower of Jesus, you're going, yeah, pastor, this is good. I appreciate this great commission. I actually believe in it. I believe we're called to the ends of the earth, but I'm just, I'm not fully there yet in my faith to be able to help someone else understand who Jesus is and the fact that they are loved by him. I love that Jesus, and I see this in all the Great Commission, again, Jesus doesn't invite us into a world of or, but he invites us into this world of and. And what I see here is that the disciples, they worshipped and they doubted. And Jesus was totally okay with that. And you know what he said to them? He looked at them and he said, go into the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and know that I am with you always to the end of the age. Because your ability actually to fulfill this commission that I'm giving you isn't about the level of measure of your faith. It's about the fact that all authority in heaven and earth is mine and I'm with you. And so even in your doubt, even as you are in process, you can help someone else in their process to understand the fact that Jesus is the true and resurrected Lord and he loves them. You tracking with me? There's a lot of different things, I think, in this conversation over the next few weeks that we're going to have to kind of talk about and think about and go, I, I love it, I'm there, I want to be with you there, but for me or for us or for whatever, and I love, again, that Jesus calls us not into a world of or. Like, if, if I've got, this, it's either this or it's that, but no, it's and. It's with our hearts that can worship and it's with our hearts that doubt that Jesus still looks at us and says, I love you <laughs> and I, by my spirit, am empowering you to go and share the bits and the parts of the good news that you know and understand, the bits and parts of my kingdom that is so vast that who, who on humanity actually fully understands it, but of what you know and understand, I'm inviting and calling you 
to go and to take it and to share it with others. I think sometimes we think that if if I'm going to go and and teach them and train them and command them and baptize them, all the things that that Jesus taught, I've got to get all my stuff figured out. These very first 11 church, they worshipped and they doubted. And the resurrected Christ looked at them in love (laughs) and in his authority and said, go, I'm with you no matter where you go and no matter how much you doubt. And no matter how much you think you're unable and you're not capable, I look at you as my church and I say, you are able. And that's a key part of of the Acts story is talking about what does our spirituality of mission look like? Because Jesus said here, as Luke recorded in Acts, he said, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. See, the local church is to be a representation throughout the global world of the good news But it's not just that there is a God who created the world in love and sent his son, but also that there's God the Spirit who is working and moving in this world as he's always been. In creation, he was there. In everyday sense, the Holy Spirit is here working and moving in the world, drawing hearts, drawing people into a saving knowledge of the love of God for them. And we believe that that same Holy Spirit, when we make a confession of following Jesus, that same Holy Spirit comes and lives and indwells in us and empowers us to be the impetus, to be the power, to be the motivation to actually engage in this mission. Jesus hasn't left us alone. He's present with us through His Spirit and calling us. And so we're going to be talking about through this series too, a spirituality of mission, the fact that it's Holy Spirit at work in our hearts and in the world that its Holy Spirit is the power that enables the church both to experience God and to engage in the mission of God. That its Holy Spirit and His work in us, the ministry of the Word, the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of Christ continuing to us, that brings the holistic transformation that we seek, that we desire, and that allows us, even with joy in the midst of the hardships, to be sustained in this journey of living out this battle of faith between the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And that we're invited to participate in that. You know, Missio, I'm, I'm excited that I, I believe, yeah, that God is, is calling us to discern in, in new ways uh, over this, this next month or two. Um, when and where and how, yeah, God's inviting us to, to be on this mission. To be engaged in this, this journey of bringing the good news of who Jesus is and, and of who humanity is. What we're going to do over the next couple weeks is, yeah, teach through. Next week we'll go play some laser tag. And then the weeks after that, we'll, that, that'll be, that, that's good news too. Um, that, that is a place to share. Then, then the weeks after that, we'll continue the series. And we're going to be, be just building out again and looking at, again, the, the, the biblical foundations of, of the Great Commission and of mission throughout the world. Uh, we're going to be looking at, again, just in discerning where and how is God calling us to do this. And so there'll be a journey where we're going to be teaching through that over the next month. And then our heart and our goal is that in September, actually, we're going to take a month um, to, to pray and fast together as a community. Um, our heart is to say, if you guys remember when we felt like God was inviting us into a journey and a season of looking for a space, and it had been a number of years in coming, we, we took and we made a calendar. I can picture it on, on the fold-out tables. We were in the gym, and we had these calendars that for a month we said we want each person to, to pick one day and to sign their name on, on the calendar on that day and to say, yeah, this day I will choose to pray and I'll choose to fast 
so that for 30 days we had somebody on each day that was praying and fasting about how is God moving us into our next phase of mission. At that time, it was the phase of moving out of a school gym and moving into a permanent home. And I believe that that served us well. Uh, It served us well to discern and walk and evaluate and to finally actually land here. And so in this season, in this heart, again, I talked to the team. We were like, let's do that again. (laughs) So we're going to do that. Actually, we're going to teach through for a month. And then in the month of September, we're going to invite us all as a community to engage in this together. And so right now, I'm giving you some of the application of of, of today in the sense of how how do I actually want you to engage in this? Uh, First and foremost, it would be continue to lean into how God is inviting you to experience his love and his hospitality, as we've talked about, so that you can have the heart to extend it to others. See, again, some of us, I think as, as we hear this, there's a couple different objections in our minds, but one of them, again, might be the fact that I'm not there yet, I'm not enough, I'm not capable, I'm not like, okay, yes, that's sweet if the church wants to do that, but like, I need a pass. On one hand, I get that. On the other hand, again, I believe Jesus looks at every single one of us and says, no, 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 you can. And I invite you to as part of your wholeness, as part of your learning. And so how are, how are you even as we talk about these things and you hear this, what's, what's Spirit, Holy Spirit stirring in your heart? What's Jesus, what do you sense Jesus inviting you into and how are you in the next few days, in this week, in this season, how are you going to continue to lean into relationship with the living God? Allowing him to love on you. Allowing yourself to hear that story and the truth that Jesus is the resurrected Savior and he loves you and he wants to be in relationship with you. But secondly, I want to invite us in, in, in the month of September uh, to join us in, in praying and fasting, to discerning, again, God, God's direction for us. And again, we'll have a calendar and we'll write our names down and we'll have a guide for you and it'll all be mapped out. But just to set this out there, to say, I, I'm, I'm excited, you guys, um, to just invite us into this journey. Because I, I believe just as much as God was moving us from a school gym to this, and that was a key part of us maturing and growing as a community, I believe now being here and establishing and, and sending out from here is the next phase of, of God's maturation for us. Does that, does that make sense? So you guys kind of gather the heart of what I'm putting down a little bit today? And here's the other thing I, I want to acknowledge. As we talk about this and as we do this, not only is there the objection or the, the hurdle of like, what's my role? I'm not, I'm not there. I'm all that stuff. But I think there's also a couple other hurdles that I want us to acknowledge and, and we're going to talk about because th- this is a complex topic to talk about missions, to talk about the Great Commission, to talk about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It, it's complex. And one of the important things for us to understand as I had said kind of in that point too, is to understand like what, what are the times that we're living in. And one of those key things, and some of you may have this in your head, is for us to understand that we're living in a post-colonialism and a post-Christendom era. And so what does that mean as we think about and engaging, engaging in missions in a healthy and in a holistic way? Who are the partners that we do that with? What are the, what are the places that we do that? Again, what, what, is, what does that look like? And part of this, we'll talk about this more, again, week, not next week, the week following, but sadly what we're going to have to acknowledge as we look at this is that over the years there's been a lot of atrocities that have been done actually in the world in the name of missions. And so actually some of you, as you hear this and you go, yeah, we're talking about the Great Commission, we're talking about going out into the world and making disciples of nations, some of you are going, but are you even aware? Like how? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> and, and it breaks my heart just as it breaks yours. And so we'll talk about the reality of, again, what does it look like to be living in post-colonialism? Not just the era, but the, the, the truth and the reality of it, and also in a post-Christendom world. Both of these present some challenges, and both of these present some opportunities for the gospel to be proclaimed. Because here's what I believe is true, as I look at Scripture and, and the, the gospel of the kingdom, that it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. The good news of the kingdom of God that God loves this world and everyone in it 
and desires to be in relationship with them. And he has made the possibility of that relationship to be restored through his son, Jesus Christ. That hasn't changed. But what we do need to change, what does need to modify in over, over times and in this season, in this era, is, is, is how do we proclaim that? How, how do we go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? What does that look like? There are methods that need to change. There are those that need to be acknowledged and go, no, no, that was not healthy. That was actually more sinful and that was more about patriarchy and colonialism and that was about the gospel. But there is a gospel way. There is a healthy way. There is a way to incarnate ourselves the way Christ did that brings good news to the world. Do you guys track with me? I'm seeing heads nod. Yeah? Okay. And what I believe ultimately is that, yeah, we are going to explore and we're going to discover what it means to be incarnational. What it looks like for us to enter in and among another's world like Jesus did in order to embody the love of God and share the good news of the kingdom of God. Okay? 